Make sure to subscribe to podcasts produced by the Archdiocese of St. Louis so that you'll never miss an episode. Just go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or just about any other podcast app. Search for Archdiocese of St. Louis and subscribe to us. That way you'll get every episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, the Word of Mouth Podcast, and some other audio, maybe homilies from Archbishop Carlson or other talks that we post there as well. So do that, and then make sure to share it with your friends. And while you're at it, maybe give us a good rating, because that always helps. Honoring healthcare professionals, a new medical clinic on wheels, and pro-life news straight ahead on this Catholic Gateway Podcast weekly news update for October 16th, 2017. Hello and welcome to this Catholic Gateway Podcast news update. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. In the second half of this podcast, I sit down with Jennifer Brinker to discuss some recent pro-life news in Missouri. But first, a look at some of the recent news and upcoming events here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Archbishop Robert J. Carlson celebrated the annual White Mass on Sunday, October 15th at the Cathedral Basilica of St. Louis. We pray in thanksgiving for your presence among us. And we ask the Lord to bless you in your important work. In a very special way, we ask the intercession of St. Luke, the patron saint of those in the medical fields. And we pledge our prayers for you as you serve all those who suffer because of old age or poor health. The Mass is associated with St. Luke, the patron of physicians and surgeons, whose feast day is October 18th. Catholic physicians, nurses, physician assistants, Emergency medical personnel and other healthcare professionals and their families attended Mass and a reception sponsored by the St. Louis Guild of the Catholic Medical Association. On Friday, October 13th, Archbishop Carlson made a special announcement at the 50th Annual Rural Parish Workers Fashion Show and Luncheon. A new Catholic mobile clinic of the Archdiocese of St. Louis will bring healthcare services to the uninsured working poor in the rural areas of the Archdiocese. The Catholic Mobile Clinic, operated through Catholic Charities, will start with a pilot clinic in Old Mines on the property of the rural parish workers and will offer patient education and support in addition to medical and social services. In making the announcement, Archbishop Carlson said, quote, We have confidence that the work that was begun by the rural parish workers who have given their lives in service to the poor will be enriched by these services offered by Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Unquote. More to come on this story from the St. Louis Review in the near future. Friday was also the 100th anniversary of the final apparition of Our Lady at Fatima, Portugal. It was on that date in 1917 that many thousands witnessed a miraculous event in the sky known as the Day the Sun Danced. Here in St. Louis, a plenary indulgence was available for any Catholic who visited the statue of Our Lady of Fatima in the old cathedral under the usual conditions. We were live on Facebook during and after the 1210 Mass at the Old Cathedral last Friday. You can go back and watch that on our Facebook page. Local Brazilian Catholics celebrated the 300th anniversary of the Feast of Our Lady of Aparecida, patroness of Brazil, this past Saturday, October 14th, with Mass in Portuguese at St. Joseph in Manchester, followed by a Brazilian dinner. The legend of the statue of Our Lady of Aparecida 
dates to 1717, when fishermen found a dark-colored clay statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary in their nets while fishing in a river. It was after having found the statue and asking for Mary's intercession that the fishermen then pulled in an abundant catch of fish. The Feast of Our Lady of Aparecida is officially October 12th and is celebrated as a national holiday in Brazil. The 2017 Archdiocesan Pastoral Assembly will take place on Saturday, October 21st, 2017, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Cardinal Regali Center. The topic of this important gathering with Archbishop Carlson is Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation Evangelii Gaudium, or the joy of the gospel. Parish leaders or anyone interested in advancing the work of the church should attend. Visit archstl.org pastoral assembly to register for this important gathering. Also this weekend, the 41st annual Respect Life Convention takes place on Sunday, October 22nd. Doors open at 9 a.m. with 44 exhibitors, followed by Mass at 9.30, and the luncheon with keynote speaker John Foppy at 11.30. John was born without arms, but has become an internationally known author and motivational speaker, and is the executive director of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. The afternoon of the convention offers seven dynamic workshops addressing a wide range of life topics, including adoption, fetal development, end-of-life issues, and pro-life successes in other states, including Missouri. Visit archstl.org respectlife for more information and to register. This weekend, also look for the World Mission Sunday collection. World Mission Sunday was established in 1926 by Pope Pius XI on the next to last Sunday of October. This annual worldwide collection, organized by the Society for the Propagation of the Faith, is a day set aside for Catholics to recommit themselves through prayer and sacrifice to Christ's commandment to go teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For some missionaries, the only financial support they receive comes to them from the Mission Sunday collection. Your generosity is vital to the work of those called by Christ to serve as missionaries around the world. Now here are the five quintessential stories from the St. Louis Review handpicked by the staff for you to share and discuss this week. You can find these stories at stlouisreview.com slash five things or in the paper dated October 16th, 2017. The skies cleared for a nice run for around 200 runners on October 7th. It marked the inaugural King to Queen Rosary Run. The 5K and 1-mile run walk across St. Louis was a way for those attending to show their faith along the streets of downtown. There were also signs that marked the five joyful mysteries along the running route. Read Jennifer Brinker's story and learn how a terrific turnout this year may lead to a new wave of evangelization through downtown St. Louis. Education has always been a priority for Archbishop Carlson since his arrival in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. With the Beyond Sunday campaign winding down and pledges still trickling in, St. Louis Catholics have eclipsed the $100 million goal with $105 million pledged to date. Not only has education benefited from the Beyond Sunday campaign, but the parishes as well. At St. Francis Borgia, repairs are being made to the stained glass windows, and the front of the church and the bell tower are being tuck-pointed. Students from the Catholic schools of the Archdiocese of St. Louis have benefited as well. The 7th graders at Assumption School in South St. Louis County have begun a garden and a chicken coop. Dave Luking shares how all of this was made possible 
through the Beyond Sunday campaign. St. Mary's High School canceled classes one day recently to help clean up their neighborhood. One crew of students from St. Mary's worked feverishly picking up trash and trimming grass and weeds from a sidewalk on the corner of Osceola and Grand, a few blocks north of their school in South St. Louis. Read in Joe Kenny's article how many lessons were learned by the students, and that did not just include hard work. Archbishop Christophe Pierre, Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, gave the keynote address at the Missouri Catholic Conference's 50th anniversary celebration on October 7th in the Cathedral of St. Joseph in Jefferson City. A well-attended conference of around 400 were on hand to celebrate. In this week's review, you can read the various ways Archbishop Pierre encouraged the bishops, the MCC staff, and Catholics around the state to continue evangelizing through public policy work. Confidence, along with teamwork and a solid game plan, will usually lead to success on the field, and that is just what is happening with the Villa Duchenne field hockey team. Villa coach Kate Graft earned her 200th victory as a high school coach when her team defeated John Burroughs 2-0 on October 9th, and this victory, along with wins over St. Joseph's Academy, Lafayette, and Coriezu Academy teams during the season has the team riding into the middle of the season with a ton of confidence. Read how this field hockey team is looking to make some adjustments for the playoffs and how faith and working as a unit is carrying them along the way. Joe Kenny reports. Now there is a look at what is happening around the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Remember, for these stories, events, and more, visit stlouisreview.com and archstl.org and follow the Archdiocese of St. Louis and the St. Louis Review on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast news update for this week, October 16th, 2017. Coming up next, you'll hear from Jennifer Brinker with the St. Louis Review on some pro-life laws, legislation, and lawsuits that are going on in the state of Missouri. But first, we have an evangelization tip of the week from Michael Horn in the Office of Laity and Family Life. This week's evangelization tip pertains to the little things in life. There are several beautiful practices that we can engage in daily, weekly, or monthly that speak volumes in terms of evangelization. The first thing we can do is pray before meals whenever we are in public. This should not be done in an ostentatious way, but by a deliberate sign of the cross and a simple short prayer. Another thing that we can do in our day-to-day lives is to pray the rosary for the conversion of those who are away from the church, especially within our own family. Similarly, the Divine Mercy Chaplet is a beautiful devotion that we can pray daily, imploring the Lord's mercy on us and all the world. We can also pray regularly at facilities where abortions are performed and serve as witnesses to the truth of the culture of life and its dignity and sanctity. Finally, we can adorn our offices and workplaces and our homes with beautiful religious artwork and sacramentals. Let's not forget about the little things that we can do each day to express our faith to others. There's been some news recently regarding pro-life issues, religious liberty issues, and it's especially appropriate considering right now it's October, which is Respect Life Month in the Catholic Church. So um, Jennifer Brinker, who is the intrepid 
the best pro-life reporter in the state, as far as I'm concerned. And that's the only opinion that mattered. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, Jennifer Brinker's in the studio here on the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Jennifer, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Gabe. Uh, you are a, a great pro-life reporter, so don't, oh. you know, not well, being uh, facetious <laughs> there. But uh, so real quick, nationally, there's been a couple things happen uh, recently that are that are actually really good for uh, those of us on the pro-life side and, and who are concerned about religious liberty issues. Um, a, there's a story, actually, from Catholic News Service in the October 16th through 22nd edition of the St. Louis Review that talks about this. But basically, the um, the Department of Justice on the federal level has issued uh, guidance. This was October 6th that they sent out a, a memo to all administrative agencies and executive departments regarding religious liberty protections in federal law and basically just said to the greatest extent to the greatest extent practical, practicable, and permitted by law, religious observance and practice should be reasonably accommodated in all government activity. So related to this, then, like the HHS mandate requiring contraceptive services uh, is uh, not going to be enforced on, you know, groups like the Little Sisters mm-hmm. of the Poor, which we're suing. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's also um, uh, some other, lots of other guidance in that. So check out the story. It's got a lot more information, but sort of related, uh, similar issues, I guess. Here locally, uh, we've had some pro-life news, and so Jennifer's going to explain that a little bit. It uh, starts with SB5, which mm-hmm. was passed in the summer. Correct. Yes, yes. So, so what, what is SB5? What, is, what are we talking about here? Sure. So, um, yeah, during, during the summer, um, there was a special session, and um, Senate Bill 5 was passed. Um, and it's, it's kind of a compilation of a number of different pieces that help kind of regulate, you know, what happens at abortion clinics. So um, some of the the highlights of that um, are, you know, developing um, kind of a complication plan um, for managing any kind of medical emergencies that may arise from abortions, Um, you know, requirement for all um, fetal tissue um, to be sent for uh, pathological um, examination. Um, provides whistleblower protections for employees um, involved with abortion um, and also um, prohibits abortion clinic workers from instructing first responders um, to not follow protocol when responding to an emergency at an abortion clinic. So it kind of encompassed encompassed a a number of things Um, and so um, I guess it's been about a week now Um, there was a a lawsuit filed by a a couple of um, branches of Planned Parenthood and the ACLU Mm -hmm. of Missouri challenging that law Um, uh, and specifically I think they were targeting the um, state's 72-hour waiting period Um, and that waiting period has has been around around, for for some time now no it's not new but what was new in this the Senate bill that was passed over the summer um, is that um, the physician that provides that abortion um, also is being required to give information on the medical risks of abortion at least mm-hmm. 72 hours prior. So it has to be the same person. Yeah. So not a physician's assistant, not a nurse, and that wasn't specified in the original law, correct? It's, it wasn't written that way. And so I think the new law had to just specify. Yeah, the new law the specifies that it yeah. has to be this, the same doctor. Right. So, and that I think that's what they're they're kind of targeting that lawsuit on. So um, what's interesting, though, is kind of as that lawsuit was filed just the week before, the health department, Missouri Health Department, Mm -hmm. um, stepped in and said that they were going to be filing these um, emergency rules to establish um, new standards for abortion facilities and how they deal with these complications that arise um, from um, 
I think primarily the, the medication abortions, but, you know, some some places do have, you know, surgical abortions mm-hmm. as well. Right. Um, St. Louis being the only one right now, um, uh, Planned Parenthood in St. Louis being the yeah. only one right now in Missouri. So Although that's, that, that's soon to change um, because I think you also mentioned in here that there are licenses now that have been granted, I think, to Well, that, and it's kind of been back and forth. There were yeah. court rulings, and, and so yeah, it I could know. change by day, I guess, right, really. Right, exactly. But, yeah, it's, uh, it that, seems... That could potentially change very yeah. soon. There have been a lot of con- constant changing in this. So, But, yes, um, I know um, earlier this month, um, Planned Parenthood announced that they were going to resume abortions in Kansas City, Missouri, as well as in Columbia. Yeah. Um, so I know that that's a big concern right now. So, But the health department... Um, one of the things that they're trying to do with these emergency um, standards that you know they're, they filed, they sent out a memo about this earlier this month, um, and they noted that they're going to be requiring abortion doctors to have either an OBGYN or a group of doctors um, on call seven days a week, 24 hours, um, to make sure that there's somebody available to treat any complications um, that would arise from an abortion. And, so. and that makes sense. I mean, if you're dealing with women and Pregnancy, right. you would yeah. think you would have. And surgery, and surgery. yes. Yeah. Yeah. You would exactly. want this, it's very common yeah. sense regulation or, right. or guidance, yeah. I guess, however you, however you phrased it here. So Right. Well, and, and in particular, I think now, you know, with medication abortions, obviously it's not a, a surgical procedure. Mm-hmm. You take the medication, but um, there are risks. And even the manufacturer of Mifeprex, um, you know, they note that approximately 3% of women who take Mifeprex will require surgical intervention. Um, an ACOG study, that's the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, um, two years ago, they did a study um, and showed that the highest rate of complications were from medication-induced abortions. And they estimated it was approximately 5%, but that was of the, the group that they mm-hmm. did a study on. So, wow. um, you know, it sounds like s- small percentages, but that's something that you want to have a, a plan put into place yeah. if, if a complication does arise. And these are these are lives of women mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. babies, but mm-hmm. of women that we're we're talking about mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. and uh, it's worth worth protecting. Yep. So, yep. well, thank you for all the work you're doing to cover this story, this ever changing and evolving pro-life issue here sure. in the state. It's kind <laughs> of you know it day is. by day right now. It seems like there's yeah. something new coming down and changing. Right. Or, yeah. um, so you're doing a great job covering that. Well, thanks. Well, you know, I know people who've been in, in the pro-life movement for a long time. Um, you know, they say that it's it's those little things, I think, that, that kind of keep us motivated. And and there is going to be a lot of that back and forth. Um, you know, that, that is just kind of part of, of how all of this works, but, um, just to hold on to those, those small victories. And Mm -hmm. you think about any kind of safeguard that can be put into place to help protect women's health and and the health of the child as well. Um, that's a good, good thing. Yeah. You can't put a value on saving just one life, right? Right. I mean, so if it it helps one person, one baby be even born, that's enough. Right. Yeah. Jennifer, thanks for all you're doing. Check out her story in the October 16th through 22nd edition of the St. Louis Review. Headline is Lawsuit Filed Against Senate Bill Establishing Standards for Abortions. And you can read up on all the things going on with that. And then, of course, keep checking us uh, online. Follow St. Louis Review. Follow Jennifer's stuff to uh, get the most up-to-date information on pro-life issues in the state. Jennifer, thanks. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast. Just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org.
Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter, at ArchSTL is our handle there, at ArchSTL. And we're on Instagram, at CatholicSTL. And you should follow the St. Louis Review there on Facebook, also Twitter and Instagram under the handle at St. Louis Review. That's S.T. Lewis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis. (laughs) 